0: Our scripture this morning is from the first chapter of 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, with which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And His word is not in us. This is the Word of the Lord.
1: Well, today we begin a new series entitled "Beloved," uh, on the, coming from the first letter of the Apostle John. And there's a reason behind the topography, the unique topography of this series. It's meant to communicate how, in embracing and enjoying that we are God's beloved, that we can truly be love. For others, those in the church and those outside as well. As we come to know the beloved God, we come to embody the beloved in the relationships around us. In the first chapter of the letter that Jeannie read for us, we look at what it means to be in and have beloved fellowship. Beloved fellowship, we're going to talk through, is uh, derived. Beloved fellowship is light, L-I-G-I-H-T, light. And beloved fellowship can be broken. But before we jump in, it might be helpful to know the context of why this letter was written. It might help us understand. You know, unlike some of Paul's letters in the New Testament or even John's other big letter at the end of uh, the Bible in the book of Revelations, we aren't told who the recipients are and we aren't told about locale. But we do get an idea of what is going on based on how 1 John begins. In the opening verses that come up on the screen, John affirms the embodied incarnate reality of Christ, reiterating the fact that he, together with the other apostles, engaged and met with Jesus with all of their senses. John, John includes these words like that which we ha- they've heard, that which they've seen, that which they've looked at, that which they've touched. All these are very earthy, organic descriptions, and there's a reason why John is saying all this at the beginning of the letter. See, at the outset, John is heading off early forms of a heresy named Gnosticism that took Christian themes and adapted them slightly. Namely, Gnostics believe that God is so unlike humanity and mysterious that God cannot truly be known. And secondly, that matter and the material world is evil while the spirit is good. And our earthly bodies are something to escape to a better and truer reality. They believe that the true essence of our humanity and identity, which they wouldn't use those categories, but that's how it's communicated to us and how we understand it, was disconnected from the bodies that God has given to us. And thirdly, salvation for a Gnostic was getting the right knowledge special knowledge about ourselves and about God. So these three things kind of form Gnosticism. And so the letter of John is responding to these, this kind of teaching that's propagating through his recipients. But you don't have to call yourself a Gnostic to view God as a Gnostic because it creeps up in our spirituality even today. Maybe it shows up in the way we say, well, God, we can't really know fully who God is. And if only we have the right special understanding of who God is. Or we we, we don't trust that Scripture has revealed God sufficiently to us. We just need to know something special about God. Or maybe that our identity and our essence, our true essence, is disconnected from the bodies that God has given to us. Or maybe... It comes up in, in believing that if you have special knowledge beyond trusting what God has given to us in Scripture, maybe until you're woke enough about justice issues or theological God issues, you're not quite there yet. But as we go through this letter in the coming weeks, I want you to consider how Gnosticism has crept into our own spirituality as we come to the God revealed in, the books, in this book. So whenever I travel into a foreign country, one of the first priorities I have is to find out if I have Wi-Fi connection. I, go, I want to find out, are there free Wi-Fi hotspots around that I can join onto? Or I look at how much it costs to, to get a SIM card because I want to be able to feel connected where I'm at. Having access to a translation app is often helpful for me to connect with those who especially who don't speak English if you're going to a non-English speaking country. Having access to a Maps app helps me feel oriented in the location that I'm in. And even if it's an English speaking country, being able to connect to the internet enables me to search up the transit information and know when the metro or the bus lines are coming, if The country has that kind of system, or find out restaurant recommendations in the neighborhood that I'm visiting. And maybe you're a little less control freak about information than I am. But I feel like being connected to the internet allows me to feel more connected to the place I'm in, up to a degree, because there's people who are just buried in their phones the whole time. It's like, look up. But in in many ways, our connection with others, particularly in the body of Christ, With God's children, our connection with those around us is enhanced by a more crucial connection. A connection with the living God of Scripture. In this way, beloved fellowship is derived. In uh, the the first couple of verses, in verses 3 and 7 displayed on the screen here, we find that true fellowship and relationship with others is enhanced and informed by our experience of true fellowship with the living God. This is John's foundational statement for inviting his readers into a particular kind of fellowship. It's the kind of relationship that he and the other apostles have uh, experienced for themselves. In other words, beloved fellowship is derived, uh, beloved fellowship with one another is derived from beloved fellowship with God. And And if we dig further into this knowing this beloved God, we discover that something even more special. Something that is modeled with, beloved fellowship is modeled within the three persons of the Trinity. Later on in chapter 4, John tells us that God is love. And these words kind of just roll off your tongue if you've been around the church for a while. But there is something really powerful about this. There's, a, there's this m- m- deep truth that's being revealed when John says God is love. God is not just loving, though God is loving, but God is love. In saying that God is love, John is asserting that the very essence and the origin of love is in God's own self. You see, if God were a solitary being, God could only long to love, or God could learn to love until there was an object of God's love. God could not be love before there was someone else to love. Love requires an object of affection. But it's in, And it's in the doctrine of the Trinity where there's one God, three persons, that God truly is love. God is beloved because God is love. And that's why John refers to this fellowship that he has with the Father and the Son. Right from the beginning, he's describing the persons of the Trinity. And John opens up this entire letter saying, we declare to you what was from the beginning. But what was the what that was from the beginning? The what that was from the beginning is the triune God, who from the beginning of time was and is and always will be the beloved fellowship of the three persons of the Trinity. It's this love of of the beloved God for each person within the Godhead, Father, Son, Spirit, back and forth with one another that overflows into creation and into humanity. But what does this look like for us? Why does the Trinity matter? Consider the relationships where you have experienced connection, deep connection, and deep fellowship. I think some of us have had the grace of those over our lives, right? There are some contexts where you find it really easy to connect with those around you. And it's a gift when you experience that. And often this sense of shared connection is derived from a shared lived experience. Or a shared language. Or a shared cultural background. It's very easy to connect with people that have the same ethnic background as someone who is ethnically Chinese. It's easy to connect with others when we start sharing stories like, you know, what? Your, your parents made you learn musical instruments all through childhood too? <laughs> what, you mean, you, you, you feel like people are uncivilized and gross when they walk into your house and they don't offer to take off their shoes? What, you mean, your dishwasher in the kitchen was used as a drying rack after your mom washed the dishes in the sink and just put them in the dishes to store them? Kind of like this picture from Fresh Off the Boat. I got that when I saw that. (laughs) You see, when you share these same experiences, it's so easy to connect because you don't have to jump over preliminary barriers to understand the other person. But when we have true fellowship with the living God, we are given the same capacity to extend fellowship to those who are different from us, who think differently from us, who who hold, who don't share the same lived experience, who don't hold the same political or theological views than us. This fellowship that is derived from our fellowship with the transcendent God is fellowship that crosses barriers. Transcendent God became incarnate in humanity. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we see how fellowship is between very different beings is made possible. God crosses this human divine gap and to enter into our world and lives our experience on our behalf all the way to the cross and beyond. And those who respond in faith to Jesus find connection with the beloved God is made possible. Beloved uh, fellowship is derived from our relationship with the living God. And this leads to another way that we are led to beloved fellowship. Beloved fellowship is light fellowship, L-I-G-H-T fellowship. Here light, I'm not using it to suggest that it's a less intense form of fellowship or it's a superficial relationship or fellowship on a diet, kind of like Diet Coke is not really the same as real Coke. Here light fellowship is in fact quite the opposite. In verses 5 to 7, John encourages his readers to walk in the light in order to have true fellowship with one another. But what does walking in the light mean? We've already highlighted how God is love. And here in verse 5, John says that God is also light. God is love, but also God is light. And in using this terminology, along with his references to life and darkness, you know what John is doing? He's hearkening back to the Genesis creation story. And in that creation narrative, God is uh, describing, God is, God's light is doing something. God, light is the first thing that God creates. God's light represents God's active initiative in revealing knowledge, in revealing purity amidst the darkness and chaos that existed at the time. You know, following the creation of light from darkness, all the other things flowed from that. The sun and the moon and, and the water above and the water below and land and the sea, creatures in the sea, creatures on the land and ultimately to the creation of humankind, male and female. In this description in Genesis 1, God's light begins this, this series of actions that is generative. God's light is truth revealing. God's light is reality defining and God's light is what's making everything whole in creation. All of John's writing flows from this understanding of God's reality, revealing God's spiritual perfection, God's moral excellence, and God's utter transcendence from humanity and creation. But God is not unknowable God's light is ultimately revealed when Jesus arrives on earth and says, in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. God is light, comes into our world, saying, I am the light of the world. In other words, Jesus is generative. Jesus is light, uh, life is, is truth-defining. and and a truth revealing. Jesus is reality defining and Jesus promises to make all things new and whole again. So to walk in the light is to walk in the ways of Jesus. It's to walk in ways that are generative, in truth revealing, in reality defining, and, and to walk in ways that make the world, not just our lives, whole. And that's what we do when we have fellowship with God's beloved with the beloved God and with God's beloved, the the body of Christ. I want you to think of your best and most life-giving relationships that you have been able to enjoy in your life. They are often so because there is a full knowing of one another. That full knowing is not just couched in politeness and political correctness or or beating around the bush. That kind of fellowship and connection, it doesn't mean that it's unkind, right? Right? shouldn't be unkind, but there is an honesty. There is a vulnerability of revealing who you are. There is a truth telling of yourself to others, and there is a truth telling of others to yourself. There is a giving of self for the sake of the others. Light fellowship is not fellowship light, L-I-T-E. Light fellowship takes time, and it takes, in a pandemic, season, face-to-face, as much as possible. Light fellowship is also not like fellowship, L-I-K-E, where our likes of our online friends' posts give us the sense that we're connected to people, but we're not investing in the cost of knowing our friends. Because how can you really have friends, friendships with a thousand friends online? Light fellowship moves towards telling the full truth about ourselves, the joys, but also the pains, the celebrations and the concerns that we are reintroducing into our rhythm together as a, as a community. That'll happen today. Those things cannot be shared in 140 characters or less on Twitter or memes and screenshots that you click share. Light fellowship brings more and more to light in the lives of those we have fellowship with. Light fellowship. Beloved fellowship is light. But there is an obstacle to that. The opposite is also true. Walking in darkness prevents true fellowship because it's not reflected of the light of God that we have come or that we say that we have come to know. You know, walking in darkness is a refusal to acknowledge the truth revealing the reality-defining, and whole-making work of God, of God's light that's shining in our lives and shining in the world around us. That resistance, it's the big lie. It's the big original lie that our first parents believed when they ate of the fruit of the tree. When God came to the garden to find Adam, to find them, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid. They walked in darkness. They attempted to cover their shame, literally and figuratively. They physically hid, or tried to hide, actually, from God. They were made aware of their nakedness, and they covered themselves. And they rationalized why their situation was justified. They blamed others. They blamed the situation. You know, when God's Spirit begins to nudge me, saying, hey, Andrew, this this seems to be a big deal for you. Could it be that this is coming between you and I? Could it be that this is coming between you and others as well? Because it seems that your circle of relationships is tightening rather than opening up. There's more people that look like you and think like you and, and agree with you rather than widening out to those that don't that's not reflective of my character as god says to me so what's going on there you know my typical response is you know to do these kinds of things i look for allies to support my position to to agree with me who'll say yeah you know you're right andrew that that's that's you're totally in the in you're totally good and I begin to rationalize why my decision is justified. I blame my situation on someone or blame my situation on something that's happened to me. I may even go to scripture and look in here and say, you know, you know what? You know, this is what God's word says. And it doesn't seem to really address what I'm going through here. Or I'm inclined to say, well, this was written so long ago, it doesn't apply to the 21st century. That was written in a people, for a people in a culture that's very different from us now. And those are true statements, but there's also an application that extends to us. And when God's spirit comes knocking, I have all these responses that I'm inclined towards. These are maybe signs that I'm wanting to walk and remain in the darkness. You know, like our first parents, Adam and Eve, I have believed a lie about myself. That I can't be happy without this. Or I've believed a lie about God and what Scripture says about God that God really can't be trusted. And in some ways, I think I have a better idea of who God is than God, what God has told us about who God is in Scripture. I believed about a lie about what freedom is because I think I have a better idea of what freedom is than what God says it looks like to live in freedom. Now, I haven't really said what this is. It's not because I'm afraid of telling you what this is, but it's more the reason because this is always going on. I'm inclined to make all these kind of responses and rationalizations over this because there's one this after another this every week, every day. And this is what God is inviting us to flee from, to walk away from this darkness and to walk in the light of God. And what I've learned is when I've come up with a lot of these kinds of responses that are going on in my heart, that there's usually a this that God wants to bring to light. And that's the Spirit's work of pointing this out in our lives. And pointing this out is, is an act of love, not an act of discrimination or of oppression. God loves us to invite us out, to shine light in the darkness, to lead us into beloved fellowship with the living God of Scripture. Beloved fellowship is broken when we walk in darkness rather than in the light. So, how do we walk in this? We do this together with others. Walking in light is walking in beloved fellowship. Walking in the light of God, walking in the ways of Jesus is the way, it's how we experience fellowship with one another and experience the assurance of God's forgiveness and healing as John says in verse 7. It's in relationships with one another and particularly amongst the body of Christ with those who experience God's grace and forgiveness in Christ that we are able to walk in the light as fully as we are, uh, have capacity for. And I think that how do we, what places do we put ourselves in where we walk in beloved fellowship with God, that nurture this beloved fellowship with God? What environments do we put ourselves in where we are encouraged to walk in light and there is a revealing through our vulnerability I think in our individualistic, consumeristic orientation of the world, walking in the light suggests that beloved fellowship with God is revealed in beloved fellowship with others. Life, it's in this regular relationship with family and friends and coworkers that our rough edges are really revealed. At WCF, we hope that our regular gatherings here on Sundays, but also in small groups through the week, that these are environments where beloved fellowship can take place. It's where we can see and where we can hear and we can look at and feel the joys and the pains that each of us face. And in that regular gathering, God uses others to do the light illuminating on our lives and revealing work that the Spirit of God is already doing. As we conclude the message, I want you to consider a couple of questions. What environments are you putting yourself in to nurture beloved fellowship with God? What does that look like for you on a regular basis? How do you enjoy that fellowship? And what about with others? Is that mediated only through your phone and, and a touch screen? Or is that with others, face to face? Know that God has created us for beloved fellowship. Everything in our individualistic, consumeristic, fast-paced world is offering the promise of beloved fellowship that we are longing for, that we are created for, and it's only in Christ that we come to know beloved fellowship with God and are able to experience beloved fellowship to the depths that God has intended with others. Don't remain in broken fellowship, but respond to God's welcoming, loving invitation into beloved fellowship derived from the Trinity God and made possible in Jesus, the light of the world. May it be so amongst us, beloved friends. Amen.